Good morning. Happy New Year. How's everybody doing today? Um, we got a beautiful day, a beautiful Sunday. After last week when we were in the deep freeze, it's really nice to kind of have a nice, good weather, right? So, um, so glad y'all are all here today. Um, my name is Danny Hendricks, in case you don't know me. I'm one of the uh, associate pastors here at Redeemer. And, um, well, let's just get right down to it, right? Let's get to open your, your phone or your iPad or whatever it is your Bible. I don't know that I see Russ has got his Bible, so usually most people don't carry Bibles anymore. So whatever you're getting to the Scriptures in, let's find them and let's get there, right? And while you're doing that, let's kind of uh, recap and find out where we are in Luke. If you don't know, we typically pick a book of the Bible and we go all the way through it. We go chapter by chapter from beginning to end. That way we can have um, sure footing in the gospel, and in who God is and what he desires us to do. And so today, we are in Luke 14, but um, before we get there, we need to be reminded that Jesus has now been going along the way. He's headed towards Jerusalem, and on his way to Jerusalem, he's been teaching as he goes along, and what he's been teaching them is that your tradition and your nationality, your Jewishness, is not going to gain you entrance into heaven. And he's trying, he's pleading with them. Remember, at the end of 13, it says that Jesus was lamenting over Jerusalem and that he was, if he could, he would gather them up around him like a hen does her chicks under their wings. And so the heart of Christ is He wants Israel to repent, to repent of who they've become. And now that gets us into the beginning of 14. And um, where Jesus is now is that this is a Sabbath and He's been invited to eat at one of the ruler of the Pharisees' house. And if you'll remember, this was set up for Christ as a trap. They were trying to trap Him into breaking their tradition. And He flips that on its head and says, your tradition is not compassionate towards man. So they bring this guy in who, um, who is diseased to see if Jesus would heal him on a Sabbath. And he does. And it's because that's who Jesus is. Well then, looking around the room, he begins to see these guys jockeying for position to who could get closest to this ruler's table, who could be near him. And the reason for that is because these dinners were set up as a status symbol. Right? Like uh, We watch a television show sometimes called Community. And it's uh, about a community college that is always, um, something's always going on. Well, this particular episode, they needed some money. So they allow these app developers to come in. And um, they pay them to let the community college beta test the app, right? And what the app's called is Meow Meow Beans. And so in the Meow Meow Beans episode, you download the app, and you can rate people that are there around you 
however you want. If you like what they say or how they look, you can give them five meow meow beans. Right? If you don't, it goes all the way back down to one. Right? So by the end of that first day, it was like middle school all over again. A bunch of adults now rating each other. Well, you're a five. Well, I can't hang out with you because you're a five. You know, I'm a four or I'm a one. Well, this is exactly what's going on at this dinner. These guys are jockeying for position. The ruler of the Pharisees, right? He's a five on the meow meow bean scale, okay? Right? The rest of these guys are fours. And Jesus is telling them, this is wrong. This is not what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of humility. It comes in humility, and it's characterized by humility. And he tells them a parable. In verse 7 it says, now he told the parable. And this parable was, remember, he's not setting up a law of every time you go to a dinner, sit at the low spot and have the guy bring you up forward. He's not telling them that at all. And he gives them the answer in verse 11. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And if you'll remember then, that's what Jesus is trying to get them to realize. That they are being prideful. They are seeking their own on a worldly scale. And he wants them to look spiritually, to look up to heaven. And so, he's reminding them in verse 11 that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Right? We saw that. Jeremy um, talked about 1 Peter 5.5 and and that's a quote from a psalm and from a proverb and it's something they should have known. But they were refusing that. They were wanting men to see them as great. And if they can get close to this five on the meow meow bean scale, maybe that they could be a five also. And Jesus is reminding them that the kingdom of God comes in humility. As a matter of fact, that's the way Jesus came. And he's saying this is a character trait of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come to you. And if you'll remember... He's trying to remind them that they are living for a time in the future. A time when there's a feast that will be given by God. And um, that's prophesied about in Isaiah 25. And if we could just look back there real quick and see what Isaiah tells them. It'll be up on the screen too, I think. So Isaiah 25, 6-9 This is what Jesus is wanting them to be mindful of. Why He's wanting them to be humble is because that's how they get to this dinner here, this feast given by God. Verse 6 it says, "On On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. 
that will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. That is the day that Jesus is trying to point them towards. And He's trying to let them know that that day comes not by what they gain here, but by what God gives them. And what He's given them is Christ. It's standing right before them. And um, they're failing to recognize it. Well, that brings us into our text today, which um, is Luke 12 through 24. I'm just going to read the first few, because remember last time Jeremy put a comma in what was going on. The kingdom of God comes in humility and is received in humility. And then there's a comma there. And that comma is this next parable. In verse 12, He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. All right, so now Jesus has taken his attention off of the people who are jockeying for position to be near to the ruler of the Pharisee, to the ruler. And if you'll remember, at the beginning of this dinner, they had invited a man purposefully that would not have been there he was a one on the scale of the meow meow beans because he was sick. And Jesus is trying to tell him, this is the very guy that should be here, that you should be inviting. Not because it makes you look better, not because it elevates your position, but because you've humbly received the kingdom of God and now you can reach out in hospitality to those who cannot ever repay you. This dinner was set up so that he could look better and they could look better. And what God wanted was for them to go out and find those who needed help so that he could repay them at the end of the age. And so, you see, that comma that Jeremy put on the kingdom of God and its character, it's characterized by humility. People who receive it in humility and then go out in humility with hospitality. Hospitality is, if you want to put a definition on it, it's giving something without ever expecting to be repaid. Right? Really, if you want to define that even further, we would call it grace, right? And if you look at the word grace, I love that word. And um, there was a pastor named Adrian Rogers who used to say that if you take grace and put out every word, it means God's riches at Christ's expense, right? And that's what they're receiving. That's what we've received. And so we receive that humbly. And we can go out 
in hospitality. Not just in this room, but out in the streets of Tampa. And that's how Jesus wants the kingdom to be characterized. These men should have known that. But they had let their tradition and their nationality get in the way of those things. And he is very compassionately trying to get them to repent of how they were living. They were living for the world and the world's accolades. And he's trying to make them remember in that verse 14 there at the end that they will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. They don't have to be repaid here and now. So they can give freely. Well, So then it's at this point that um, in verse 15 it says, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, um, I was kind of confused at this point in reading this section. I wasn't sure, like, is this guy, is he agreeing with Jesus, or is he just saying it? Did he just come in? You know how sometimes when your kids come in in the middle of a conversation, they just say something. And you're like, you don't even know. You just got here, you know. Um, Is that what's going on? And um, what I'm convinced of now, after having looked at this and, and praying about it, is that when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps the loudest is the one that got hit the hardest. And that's what this guy is doing. He's yelping the loudest. Um, it's the theological equivalent of, Nuh-uh, Jesus. Right? Nuh-uh, Jesus. I'm a Jew. No, nah, Jesus, I've got tradition on my side. I will be at that resurrection table, not because of how humble I am or how hospitable I am, but because of my nationalism and my tradition. And so, before we move too quickly forward, we're not off the hook on this either, right? Nah, Jesus, I'm a Reformed theologian. Nah, Jesus, I'm an American. How about we draw that circle a little tighter? Nah, Jesus, I'm a Texan. It means a lot in other states. Not much here, because we're all Texans here, right? Um, nah, Jesus, I go to Redeemer Pampa. None of those things say. Only Jesus Christ saved. And so, this guy metaphorically drops a mic that he was never holding. Jesus looks at him with the mic and moves into verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, 
and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, you commanded, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. We'll stop right there just for a second. So right now we need to get into the mind of what these Pharisees would have been hearing. And to them, this story from Jesus would have started out as kind of laughable to ludicrous, right? Number one, if you're setting up a great banquet, there's a lot of work involved in that, right? Not like today, where you just get on your phone and throw down a a mass text or a, a Facebook group or whatever you do and tell a bunch of people, hey, got something going on. You want to come? That's not how it worked back then. He had to send servants out. It could have been days before they come back. Then they come back with a list of people, right? The master doesn't run to Walmart and buy everything he needs. He's going out in a field saying, we need this grain over here. We need those olives so we can press some oil, you know. We need these animals to slaughter. This takes time. It takes work. And for these people then to have a servant come to them and they say, yeah, yeah, we'll go. Make us be a part of that. For the servant then to come back after all the hard work's been done, and they go, ah, never mind. I really don't want to be at this banquet. It's not that big of a deal to me, right? And then the excuses that they give. um, Well, most of the people that I read over this said that these excuses were great and how exceedingly lame they are, right? So the first guy goes, well, I can't come now because I bought some dirt. I got to go check it out, my my dirt over here. I hope it's good dirt, right? Another guy says, I bought some equipment to work with and I didn't test it out. So I need to go check out this equipment now. So I can't come to your banquet. The only really legit reason is the guy that gets married, right? And um, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, I think it's 24, they're given, when you get married, you get a year where you're excused from service in the army, right? So that kind of makes sense, but why wouldn't he want to take his new bride to a banquet, right? And John MacArthur said that she probably put her sandal down and said, I don't want to go to the banquet. So maybe that's why he didn't go. Regardless, that was his excuse. And so um, if you want to put it on our terms, and how it looks for us is they were saying to the master or his servant, you know what, man? I got family. Can't come. Or I got work. I can't be there. Or I got all this stuff that I need to, to check out, you know. So 
can't really come. Pretty lame excuse, right? And so that would have been laughable to these guys. They would have been like, ah, nobody would do that. Those are, that's ridiculous, right? Well, then where it becomes ludicrous is then he says, all right, they won't come, then you go out and get those in the street and in the lane, right? We're thinking meow, meow, bean scale again. These people are twos and ones, right? They're like, there's no way he would do that. If this guy's able to throw a great banquet, why on earth would he go out and get those? And the servant says, that's been done, but your house isn't filled. And so instead of that being good enough, he says, all right, then go out in the highway and the hedges. That probably would have angered these Pharisees because those people out there are not allowed even in the city. They're that unclean. They're that sinful. Who would invite such sinners? And now, while we're thinking like them, then remember, Jesus is trying to point them to live lives that are humble and hospitable for a day coming, right, when they will be repaid by God Himself. And so He says this in verse 24, and I imagine as He says this, the room falls silent, and you can hear a pin drop, and it probably stopped some hearts and made people's skin crawl and run cold. He says, For I tell you, None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus is making a claim of deity. He's answering, he's summarizing who is the master of that banquet and who are the servants. And he's saying, it's me. And the one that I want you to live for that's coming in a day that Isaiah prophesied about I'm the one who will provide that for you. Live with humility and hospitality. And so, really, if you go back and look at this, then that changes the way this parable looks. Because then the servants sent out are the prophets and the priests of the Old Testament bringing the law building the temple, all of those things bundled up to point to Jesus Christ. And they said, yes, that's what we want. But now the king of that kingdom has come. And they've rejected him. And they may not have rejected him for work or family or stuff. They rejected him because I'm a Jew, or I have my tradition. How lame is that? To get in between you and the kingdom of God. And Jesus' heart, remember, is that they would repent. And so He's trying everything He can to get them to repent. So, that's what it says to them, I think. What's it say to us? 
Well, you've heard Jeremy say it before. There's two types of people here today. There are people who are here for Jesus, and there are people who are here that are against Jesus. For Jesus, right? With humility. You've seen that Christ is your Savior. That there's no other way. And that you are here today to be a part, a small part, a small picture of what that feast will look like when Jesus comes back and gathers His people. And you're getting to feast on Him today through, through prayer, through singing, through hearing His Word. And here in a little bit, you're going to leave and you're going to go out in the streets, in the lanes of Tampa, Texas. And you're going to take that with humility to others and show them the hospitality of Jesus Christ. There's other people here, though, that have not received Christ with humility. They've come today, and maybe they've been coming a while, and they've been enjoying the things of God. They've come close to the things of God. They've tasted a little bit of what that feast is supposed to be. But there's something in between them and Jesus, right? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's possession. Maybe it's something else. But you have not come to Christ. You're not enjoying this feast now with humility and sharing it with hospitality. So if you look back at verse 24, he says, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. There's a clock ticking down on all of our lives. If you want, 100% of the people in this room have a stalker. And that stalker is death. You have a limited time to put down your pride and to come to Jesus Christ. Look, if, if you're not here to enjoy His feast, to take it out with hospitality, then you are His enemy. And the crosshairs of God's wrath abide upon you. I can't tell you this makes me feel. Please give your life to Christ. For the rest of us, we get to enjoy this feast today and every day. We get to get into God's Word. We get to pray. We get to have this, Matt Chandler calls it a convergent space. When you open God's Word and when you pray and when you fall in worship, you can do that every day of the week. And then we get the divine privilege of being the servants who get to go out and compel those to come in. And look, we don't know who the lame, the crippled, the blind, and the poor are. So we just assume because that's who we are, that's who everybody else is. The cross tells us that. It demands it. 
and we all need Him. So, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, um, so grateful to you and your word and um, just the opportunity to come up here and, um, and share what you've been showing me throughout the week. Um, you and you alone are worthy of our praise and our worship. And I pray, Lord, that, um, that maybe this has encouraged some, stirred them up to love and good works, to go out into the, into the highways and the byways and to take the gospel with them. That with humility and hospitality, just as you came and shared with us, that we would go. And Lord, if there's somebody else here that needs to be transformed in their heart, I pray that you and your power alone would do that. In Jesus' name we pray. There'll be people...